Chapter Two of the Adventures of Tommy Post Office: The True Story of a Cat, by Gabriel E. Jackson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michael Fascio. Chapter Two: Tommy Becomes a Pensioner. Swell the fund. Help along a good cause. You ought to be proud to see your name on the list. Mr. Weston says we're to adopt the kitten and that the boys have got to chip in for his support. So here's a chance for him to do the generous act. How much do you contribute? Asked Ben, the morning which followed Tommy's arrival at Hartford, as he went about among the men filled with importance and carrying a little book and pencil. On the cover was printed in rather irregular letters, Subscriptions for the support and feed of the post office cat. He ain't got no name yet. The big words had been spelled by one of the men whose educational advantages had been somewhat superior to Ben's, but the last statement had been his own afterthought. "'What are you trying to get at, anyhow?' asked one of the letter-carriers, as he looked over the boy's shoulder. "'Trying to get at your pocket, so hand over something and write your name down in this book for the same amount each week. Mr. Weston says that kitten, what come in the mail-bag, yesterday deserves to be made the P.O. cat, and that us fellers has got to take care of it. So what's your figure?' Five cents a week, and here's your nickel for a starter. Say, if the whole force gives a nickel each week, that cat's going to bust, sure. Hand over your subscription list and let me sign. So the list went the rounds of the office, and not a man withheld his might, and the kitten's maintenance was assured from the outset. Meantime, he was, of course, nameless. Say, Mr. Weston, what are you going to call him? asked Ben, as he handed the subscription book into his superior's hands, and dumped upon his desk the pile of pennies and nickels which had collected in his cap. "'Mean to write to the place he came from, and try to figure out if he has one already. Ben, my boy, that cat's no common, everyday sort of cat. If you believe in astrology, you'll know that the stars had something to do with his arrival. Do you?' And a mischievous twinkle came into Robert Weston's eyes as he looked at the office boy. In what, sir? Guess I ain't up much in these Chinese names. Don't see what the stars has to do with this kitten, neither. Maybe he saw some in that mail bag, though, before he got here. Lord, I don't see what kept him from being squashed all the smash, the way them things is hustled round. It was kismet. That's what did it, my boy. That cat has a mission to fulfill. You see if he hasn't. Kismet? Kismet? Don't you mean catnip? That's the stuff that makes them feel so funny that they act like they was drunk. I never heard of the other stuff. What is it? No, I don't mean catnip. That's good in its way, but it can't hold a candle to kismet, Ben. That's the thing what keeps you from being all smashed up if you happen to find yourself in a railway accident, or from falling off a cliff in the dark. Great thing, kismet. That kitten knew about it, sure. That's the reason he got here without being killed on the way. And Robert Weston, that combination of fun and seriousness, wagged his head at the mystified boy. "'Is it a charm for fair?' Ben asked in an awestruck voice. His life had been a life of vicissitudes ever since he was a wee lad, and book-lore was unknown to him. He was, however, naturally quick-witted and adaptive, and possessed a fund of good nature which seemed inexhaustible. It never occurred to him that, had kismet so ordained, he— instead of a little lost kitten, might have been the one to have a collection taken up for his benefit. So go things in this world. Robert Weston looked at the boy for a moment without replying, 
and probably something of the above thought passed through his mind. His reply was, Benny, some fellows think that they can't get on a minute unless they have on hand a little of the very finest variety going, and that the world is to blame if they don't happen to get it. But let me tell you one thing, my boy. You'll be surprised to find out what a good sort you can turn out yourself if you use your wits. Just try it. But let's see what that kitten's bank account is. He began to count the coins which lay upon the desk before him. One dollar and thirty-three cents. That's a regular Vanderbilt income for a cat. If the boys turn over that sum each week, the kitten can wear jewels if he wants to. Say, you little buffer, do you know you have fallen upon your feet? And he reached over to stroke the sleepy little creature which was curled up in one corner of his desk, its bed being an old fur cap which had passed through many and varied experiences upon its owner's head. The kitten roused up, got upon its feet, humped up its back to stretched, and yawned until its mouth seemed ready to split. Who? Going to swallow every one of us. My, ain't you a big cat, though. Ready for your dinner now? You can have some cream, if you want it, with such an income as this. Come on and take your bottle like a little major. A second later the kitten was tugging away at the little nursing bottle for dear life. Ben, in convulsions of laughter, and half a dozen of the men gathered about to watch the funny spectacle. Thus did Tommy come into his fortune, and soon after his true name. Before the week was ended he was duly christened, and the ceremony was a funny one. The morning that the letter arrived from R., Mr. Weston called the clerks together and said, Boys, this kitten has got to be christened. He has come a long journey, nameless so far as the world knows, and that won't do for the Hartford Post Office cat. He's got to have a collar, and the collar has got to have his name, and the name of the post office on it, too. But he can't wear a collar until he gets a little bigger than a pint of peanuts. He'd walk clear through it, and we don't want him to wear a belt. We'll christen him today, right now. The collar can come when he has grown into it. His true name is Tommy Post Office, and he is the son of Peggy Post Office of R. So here goes. Tommy. Tommy Post Office of Hartford, Connecticut, owned and supported by the boys of the office, who pledge themselves to your maintenance until you can hustle for yourself and do all the cats that try to invade your premises. In the names of the post office boys, I christen you Tommy Post Office and set their seal and badge upon you fore and aft. Then, taking from his desk a one and two cent postage stamp, he wet them and stuck one upon the kitten's head, and the other upon the end of his tail, where it whisked and flirted about, but stuck tight nevertheless. Passers-by would have been surprised to learn that the laughter which they heard within the staid old walls of the post office was caused by the pranks of a wee kitten whirling about after its own tail upon which a green one-cent stamp was firmly stuck. As though he realized his honors, Tommy Post Office made haste to grow both in size and beauty, to say nothing of intelligence. That he was rapidly becoming the smartest cat going, any man in the employ of the Hartford Post Office would have assured you, but would also have bridled with resentment had your face expressed a doubt which your lips were, perhaps, too polite to give voice to. But there was no denying that Tommy was going to be a beauty. When the warm days of early spring came, he had grown as big as several pints of peanuts, and had also grown into the handsome collar bought for him. His hair was as black as shiny as jet, his shirt front as immaculate as drifted snow, 
and his stockings were washed and scoured hourly, lest any vestige of dirt should adhere to them. He had learned to know the men, and was boon companion with each and every one of them. He also knew the hour of the day, or night, that each would arrive to go on duty, and was invariably on hand to welcome them when the big door swung open. He also knew their luncheon hours, whether they happened to be midday or the midnight hour, which night duty made necessary, and was always ready to sit down beside them to wait the tidbit which he knew would be his share. If they happened to be so hungry that he was in danger of being forgotten, he had a way of recalling his presence to them. This was to jump upon their shoulders, and just as some particularly dainty morsel was about to pass their lips, to reach one deft paw forward, catch the food upon his claws, and, presto, it regaled another palate than its owner had intended. The engineer was Tommy's special friend, and Tommy never failed to be on hand when Dan brought forth his lunch pail. Dan was very fond of cold sausage meat, and Tommy approved his taste. But Tommy was by no means a sluggard. If he lived in this post office, he meant that it should benefit by his industry. So from the earliest kittenhood he began to wage war upon the rats and mice, and as time went on not a whiskered head dared show itself. By this time Tommy was six months old, and as full of pranks as a six-months-old kitten well could be. His education had begun the very moment he entered the Hartford post office, so it is not surprising that by the time he had spent half a year there, he was really remarkable. End of chapter 2